If you're looking for a show about everyday black dreamers and doers, you've come to the right place. Join me on a quest to find ordinary people doing extraordinary things, reinterpreting the rules of the game in order to achieve life on their own terms. I'm your host, Moses Tillman Young, and welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. This episode of the Black Gold Podcast will be diving deep into the complex world of cannabis accounting, especially concerning IRS Code 280E. Since the legalization of cannabis in many states across the U.S., the cannabis industry has been growing at an unprecedented pace, and with that growth comes new challenges, especially when it comes to accounting. In this episode, Angela Mays, the seasoned accountant with extensive experience in the cannabis industry, will shed light on the importance of proper accounting practices, the challenges faced by cannabis businesses, and how IRS Code 280E complicates matters even further. We'll start by exploring the basics of cannabis accounting and the unique challenges faced by cannabis businesses, including the difficulties of keeping accurate records of income and expenses, inventory management, and the challenges of operating in a largely cash-based industry. Next, we'll delve into IRS Code 280E, which restricts cannabis businesses from deducting most business expenses from their federal income taxes. Angela will then further explain the implications of this code and its impact on the industry, including how it can affect the profitability of cannabis businesses. We also discuss some of the strategies that cannabis businesses can use to minimize the impact of IRS Code 280E on their bottom line, including the importance of keeping meticulous records, identifying deductible expenses, and utilizing creative tax planning strategies. By the end of this episode, we will have a better understanding of the unique accounting challenges faced by cannabis businesses, the complexities of IRS Code 280E, and the importance of proper accounting practices to ensure the long-term success of a cannabis business. So sit down, grab your pen and paper, and let's go deep into discussing IRS Code 280E. Welcome to this episode of the Black Gold Podcast. Today with me, I have Angela Maines. She is also known as the Blunt Accountant. And that goes to her profession as being an accountant dealing with industries relating to cannabis. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast to discuss it is 280E compliance. Is that correct for people who are able to grow cannabis legally in a way that they won't then be compromised in any way on the federal level if their state allows cannabis growing. Yes, it's 2AE. And thank you for for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So how did you begin becoming an accountant in terms of especially going down the route of, of being an accountant specifically for people within cannabis industries. I was already doing accounting for small businesses. 
it was, I guess you can call it my side hustle. And I was introduced to the industry and this was four years ago. So I've been working specifically in the cannabis industry for four years now. But I was introduced to industry by a, another accountant and that's how I got started in the industry. There was a small amount, it's growing now, but there were a small number of accountants who was providing accounting for cannabis, specifically plant touching businesses. And so I saw it as a, a the perfect timing as well as um, just trying something new and different. And that's what led me to start in the cannabis industry. Yeah. So when would you say you made the decision to go ahead to make the switch from your standard small business accounting service to specifically targeting cannabis as in becoming the cannabis accountant? After speaking to the person that reached out to me, they actually saw my profile on LinkedIn and this person was a part of a, an organization that was providing training for people who would potentially be interested in providing accounting services to cannabis businesses because it requires a, it, re it requires specialized knowledge of how to do accounting for cannabis businesses. And she's pretty much sold me on the program and I joined the program to learn and become trained in in the craft or the art of doing accounting for cannabis businesses. So that would actually, it's my four-year anniversary now because it was February of 2019 when I, when I embarked on the, on this journey. So, yeah. Uh, congratulations. Happy anniversary. Yeah. Thank you. So uh, the person that mentored you in, into doing this, she reached out to you on LinkedIn and do you know what it was about? Why did she reach out to you in particular apart from anybody else? Do you have any reason why that was the case? No. And I, I honestly think that she was just doing, you know, researching or searching accountants or people that were freelance accounting. And I came up in her search and she reached out to me she dm'd me and then we got on a call and then we just started chatting and i and it just sounded interesting because it was different um and i needed to instead of just providing cannabis to small businesses across the board just finding a niche to focus on was something that i thought would have been great for me was to to pick a niche and then something new and coming the industry, the cannabis industry being fairly new and getting in on the ground level, learning something new and then growing my business from there. But it was the fact that I was just on LinkedIn as, as somebody who provided accounting services. Oh, wow. So, it's, so you think it was just general search for accountants and your name popped up top of... You know, my name, my name popped up. <laughs> That's incredible. So in terms of you growing 
your business over the course of the last four years. What are some of the things, the tools and the resources that you've used in order to get yourself to where you are today? Any particular software, any, any books, anything like that that you've found to be very helpful in, in, in your growth up to this moment? Yes. Because I work remotely, just having what I call my tech stack to be able to service clients um, has been helpful. I use Slack, which is a great way to communicate with clients. And I also, for, a, for, a, for providing accounting services, I use QuickBooks and I use another software, accounting software called Accounting Suite. I also use Asana for my project management. And because I service cannabis clients, not all businesses do business in the cannabis industry. And for helping my clients with the payroll, Gusto is one of few payroll services that services the cannabis industry. So, and that's another thing, finding vendors that that service the industry as well. Okay. So all those tools, they focus on a specific aspect of the, of the, of what you do. And yes. so some deal with like the clients directly and others to just like for bookkeeping and, and Asana, it's one of my favorite tools as well, it's... just for like keeping things in order and making right. sure you're on track with your stuff. Yeah. Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so you started out your business. Were there some things that you encountered that you didn't expect that you were like, oh, like I thought it was, it was going to be A, then turned out to be like G. Anything very, anything that you expected, but then you realized it was completely the opposite or just contrary to what you, what, to what you thought it was going to be like? Yes. Moving from just doing regular doing accounting for just regular businesses and then switching over to cannabis specifically, it required knowing the, the regulations from an IRS standpoint that these businesses are required to adhere to in order to, um, I guess you can say, stay out of trouble and stay in compliance, and that was Internal Revenue Code 280E. And what I found is that most of the businesses at the time, early on, was not really aware of 280E. So, of course, they were just doing accounting like any other regular business, not realizing there were certain ways or certain things they could and could not do and adhering to 280E and understanding the 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 regulation as well as other regulations that tied into that that became a huge part of the accounting that I had to do to help them to become compliant and then to stay compliant Okay. And so for 280E, that's something that you need in order to make sure you're just 
illegally, you are compliant with everything that is. Right. And basically, 280E, it's Internal Revenue Code 280E. It basically states that if you are a business that is selling, I don't want to say drugs, but basically selling drugs, which is technically illegal on the federal level, then you're not allowed to take advantage of regular deductions and credits on your taxes that a regular business would be able to take. So 280E has been challenged um, from a lot of plant-touching businesses early on, but because they feel like they're not technically doing anything legal because within the state that they operate in, selling cannabis, whether it's recreational, recreational or medical, it's legal. But from a federal standpoint, it is an illegal substance. And therefore, you are not allowed to take advantage of the regular business deductions and credits that a non-cannabis business would be able to take advantage of. So knowing this early on, it helps me to help my clients to set up an accounting system or operation that adheres to 280E and to make sure they are compliant should they become audited. So that's my big focus is compliance and being ready or prepared just in case you're audited by the IRS. Gotcha. And so it, so you're trying to optimize your client's business and make sure that they're compliant, that then they get all the benefits of, of being a small business that any regular small business would have. But since it's, since the product that they're dealing with is on the federal level, at least at this moment, legal, it's that whenever they need, they need to make sure that they're in the right in terms of right. making sure everything's in order for them to then be able to get the benefits of a small business. Yes, to be able to, be able to stay in business as well. What, what the difference with being a plant-touching business and a regular business, or yeah, I guess you can say a regular or a non-cannabis business, a non-plant-touching business, is how you file your taxes. That's, that's the trigger. So having it set up, having your accounting operations set up in a way and someone who is familiar or knows IRC 280E, it prepares you for tax preparation when that time, when that time comes. So, and it also helps the business, the business to operate in a way where they don't have to hide themselves from the IRS because some of them were, were still not complying because 
of the fact that they were or they are illegal businesses. So it's you you kind of have a catch-22 where if I say I'm doing this, then I'm going to be noticed. But if I don't do this, then I'm still going to be noticed or I'm still going to be out of compliance. So it's just changing the mindset of the business owner and realize helping them to realize how important it is to set up an account to have first of all have an accountant that understands cannabis accounting from um an IRS perspective and making sure that your accounting operations and your books, your policies and procedures follow the requirements of IRC 280E, as well as having someone to make sure that you're, you stay compliant and help you and to run your business more efficiently and from a strategic standpoint, because not only are you beholden to the IRS, but you're also beholden to your investors as well. Gotcha. Well, I mean, I never really thought about it in terms of, I mean, of course, it's the whatever you're selling has to be has to be legal, at least in some sense, either on the state level or the federal level. And also just in terms of it, the product that you're selling, having that be something that is taken into consideration when it comes to getting all the benefits of a small business in the United States, at least getting all those, uh, the different tax incentives and all those different things. Usually I, I just thought it was going to be like, if it, it, it's a small business and I can then get those benefits, but the fact that it's semi-illegal substance that then has to be taken into consideration about the benefits and making sure right. that you can Right. Play the game so then you get the benefits as well as be able to provide this product for your customers. Right. Yeah. And so you mentioned yeah. the word or or the 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 term plant touching. Can you define what a plant touching is? Yes. Plant touching are businesses that are cultivation, they grow dispensaries who of the retail side of the business they they they're either medical or adult use recreational or you have manufacturers or processors so they're all actually plant touching as in either they're either manufacturing growing or selling and the reason why I make the distinction is because you also have businesses like mine that provide services to the cannabis industry, but I don't do accounting for those businesses. And they could be people who are in insurance, people who are in construction, because you have they help you build out your construction companies will help you build out a space if you if you are a dispensary or a cultivator, or you may be dealing with Insurance agents, people who may help provide insurance to these businesses, delivery, 
as well. And delivery is kind of one of those areas that, where you could be a plant touching delivery or just somebody who delivers from point A to point B as well. So I make the distinction that I only work with plant touching businesses because these businesses are what the code 280E are referring to when they mention having to adhere to IRC 280E is specifically for those plant touching businesses. And so would plant touching refer to only the, like the, the, the distillation of the cannabis, like the actual, like the psychoactive portion, or would it also be referred to like, uh, like making clothing from it or making other products from that? Would that be considered plant touching? And, and I'm, I'm not, when you say making clothing, I'm assuming that you could be referring to hemp and hemp and hemp is, is legal. So it wouldn't fall under RC 280E because it is legal in the United States. So I don't work with hemp businesses, only marijuana businesses where you can go and buy edibles at a dispensary or you're actually growing the different types of plants or you taking a plant and processing it and making making edibles or making tinctures or making oils or that sort of thing, but strictly marijuana and not hemp. Okay. So whenever people are, they want to start being accountants specifically to help people get their, their 280E compliant, what are some of the first steps that you need to do personally as an accountant? in order for people to be able, in order for you to offer that service to people? If, if there are accountants out there who are looking to get into the industry, they would definitely have to get training or work with an accountant that's already in the industry. Like if someone is listening and they say, I want to learn, how to do cannabis accounting and they want to reach out to me, then we, then I would be able to, because they already have the background and knowledge in accounting and they understand accounting. They just need to understand how to do cannabis accounting. So you would either have to go through training and there's an organization that I'm a part of and that's actually run by the, the lady who reached out to me four years ago. And it's called Cat Pros, and I think it's the, it's N C A T Pros, and I want to say it stands for the National Cannabis Accounting and Tax Professionals Association. And she has a training class that I think that's that's about six weeks long. That she takes you on the journey from the beginning to learning what the industry is to actually doing accounting as well as on a monthly basis, providing training where we can earn CPEs if we're certified. So that is the one that I'm highly active in and I highly recommend that program as well as just 
finding someone who's already in the industry and just working with them as well. You can also get hands-on experience because you may decide that it may not be something that you like. So you may not want to invest in, you know, NACAP pros, but if you wanted to see what it was about, then you could work with somebody that's already in the industry that's doing cannabis accounting. And you would find a lot of them, a lot of us are on LinkedIn. So if you search the hashtag canna, canna accounting or cannabis accounting, you may find a list of accountants out there that are doing cannabis accounting. Okay. And so for if you were to become a, a cannabis accountant, can you then practice other areas of accounting or are you solely going to be the cannabis accountant? You can continue to to serve as an accountant for any client as well as do accounting for cannabis accountants. The reason why I stopped doing accounting for just regular, you know, small businesses is I wanted to focus on a niche and just, so whether you, your niche is cannabis or your niche is construction companies or whatever niche you wanted, real estate investors or something like that. I just, for me, personally, I can focus my energy on becoming the expert in that industry instead of in being able to provide value to my clients because I'm considered, you know, a subject matter expert in this particular kind of accounting instead of having a firm where I'm working with several different types of industries. I just like being specialized because that helps me to bring value and and I can focus specifically on those things that affect my particular client and what they're going through as opposed to, you know, doing cannabis and then turning around and doing accounting for maybe a real estate investor or what other industries are out there. But yeah. And plus I like I like this industry because it's new. It's it's growing and a lot is going to happen over the next few years as as we hope the more states continue to come on board and and make it legal as well as hoping that eventually the federal or congress will come around to either descheduling it or and or safe banking because we don't a lot of the uh, don't have banking and that's the that's another reason why having an accountant that is familiar with the industry set up processes when you're dealing only with cash so that's another downside because not all states where it's legal to do business have banks that want to do business with plant touching businesses or even some of the other businesses that service plant touching businesses. I didn't know that. I thought that it was something that was, again, along from this interview, it's, I thought that it was like 
like, like, like a small business again, in terms of like, oh, it's a small business, it's getting revenue. And I want this bank, this bank would want me to, to give it a service, but yeah, it's, it's the product again. Yes, hmm. it is. And, and, and I'm not sure if you've even heard the term safe banking act did not pass no. again in Congress. Yeah. So depending on the state, you may not have banking. So you're dealing in cash and that's, that's unsafe <laughs> when you're having to, you know, carry so much cash. You have businesses that have to pay their taxes in cash, which is also not safe. If you're dealing in a lot of cash, you also have People could steal if you're not, you know, accounting for cash and making sure you have the right processes in place to make sure that you're, that you're, that there's no one's stealing. So you have the potential for fraud. And also you have the form and it's probably going to slip my mind. I want to say it's called form 8300 that you have to fill out. It's an IRS form. It's the I want to say the Bank Secrecy Act form that you have to fill out if you have transactions over $10,000, I believe. I can't remember off the top of my head. I want to say it's over $10,000. You have to fill out this form and you have to submit it to the IRS for all of those transactions that are over a certain amount. And that's another thing that, that, could potentially trigger audits with from the IRS as well if you're not submitting these forms on time. So it's it's like all of these little nuances that having banking for these businesses that would help from uh, an accounting standpoint. So if you ever hear on the news or any anywhere about Oh, the 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 Safe Banking Act didn't pass, or that's that's what it's affecting. It's affecting cannabis businesses because a lot of banks don't want to do business with um, plant touching businesses because of all of the regulation that goes into having these these specific accounts. These it's a it's a lot of paperwork. It's it's a lot of regulation, and so a lot of banks will not get in the industry. None of the big banks are really in in the industry. Some states, you have like state banks or local banks, community banks are in the industry. So there are some states where the businesses do have banking, but there are quite a few where they don't. So that's another issue within the industry itself. Hmm. So, um, you said that this, this area of accounting, it, it's, it's a pretty new area of accounting specifically for, for plant touching businesses. So in states where, where cannabis is, is legal, are there accounting firms that currently have plant touching accountants on staff that they rely on? Yes and no. Um, 
there are a few, and I and I want to call them mid-sized firms. Like I've worked for like the big four, and then you have the mid-sized national firms, and then you probably have state firms that are well known within a particular state. There are a few that are in the industry, but most of them will do audits and they do not provide accounting services. I have relationships with a couple of mid-sized firms who do audits, who need accountants like me to help their clients to become audit ready or to help them get their accounting operations in place so they're able to be audited if they are required to be audited by investors or if they are going to be acquired by another cannabis company and their books have to be audited. These firms will do the audits, but what just in networking and learning a lot about what they need, they are finding that a lot of their clients are not prepared for audits because they were not doing the accounting in a way or the doing cannabis accounting and cost accounting in order to be able to be audited. So they they don't have the processes set up. So these are some relationships that I've been building. So if they have clients who need help setting up their processes and doing getting their accounting correct to be audited, then they're potential clients for me from these firms. But there are not a lot of firms who are getting in the industry and from, and I'm talking about like some of the larger firms that are not getting in the industry because it's still, there's still a gray area for them. Like the AICPA governing board have, have not, or any state boards have come out and said that they won't be, their licenses, their CPA licenses will not be in jeopardy for working with businesses who traffic in an illegal substance. So you have some that it's, it's, it, it's a, this gray area. So that's another reason why some firms have not really gotten into the industry because of that. So I think once they either deschedule, deschedule it, cannabis or marijuana, then it, it leaves, it makes it difficult for more accountants to get in, in the business or deciding whether or not they want to get in the industry. Okay. So you wouldn't necessarily have like state farm to do your taxes, insurance, and when also we help cannabis businesses. So they wouldn't, they wouldn't necessarily be able to find that on like for the big companies, but you said like for smaller companies that they would have possibly like in states like California and Colorado and Connecticut, they'd have their own little portion of the, of, of their firms mm -hmm. that are specifically designed 
four for plant and businesses. Yep. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so, say someone were to is a recent graduate in accounting, they then they go through they get the certification. They then join the the NACAT pros and go through all the trainings. What is the next step? Would you say that they should then take in order to find their first client? Dan is a good place and start going to. There are a lot of conventions that go on throughout the year in the industry. So, and you can go. They are, a lot of them are on LinkedIn, but they're also associations. There's an association called, um, it's MCBA, Minority Cannabis Business Association. You can join associations. There are also some state associations. So if you want to focus on on a specific state, you can see if there is a association within that state. They they do meet and greets and different little things to so go to just to get out there and network and people know who you are. And that's how I've met owners, just interacting with them at these association events and a lot of them because of you know because of COVID a lot of them have been online so it's easy to attend um training some of them have trainings and you can attend some of them have regularly monthly meetings that you can attend and that's how you get to know people when you're on a zoom meeting and you can just chat with people people are putting their information out there about what they do their website and I have met some contacts that way as well. So that is one of the ways that you can um, can meet people and network. There are quite a few associations. And so during those those networking opportunities, would you say that there are, do you feel like three things that a person can do to make sure that they're doing their best, putting their best foot forward in order for them to to get their client? Oh, I always resort back to that that elevator pit. There are some some of these conventions will have a convention area where people are set up with with booths. So you'll have different businesses in the industry with booths set up. You can go by booths, meet people, talk to people, introduce yourself, hand out a card, or if you know other accountants that are going to a specific event, you can partner with them and get a booth and participate that way where people are walking through and they see you all out there, you talking, explaining what you do. So number one, I would have an elevator pitch. Definitely, even if you don't have a website, your LinkedIn profile should should speak to what you do, what you offer. And don't be be shy about connecting with people, whether it's via LinkedIn or getting out there and going to um, 
these conventions. I mean, I've I've actually gone to some by myself, and it it it, it can be pretty intimidating. But one of the things about about it is people. What I found people were really friendly and approachable, and some of these conventions they have breakout sessions. You can get on a panel. Sometimes they're looking for speakers or people to be on panels, and you can be a part of a panel and present on whatever topic it is that they're bringing you in to present on or to sit on the panel for. So th those are some ways that you can also get clients to get started in the industry. And would you say that there are three things a person should absolutely not do if they're looking to, to get a client? rather have you had an experience where if I, if I, if I, if I didn't, if I, since I did these three things, I wasn't able to get this, this person as a client. Have you personally had any, had any experiences where you weren't able to, to land a client because you realized after you made a couple of mistakes here and there? What I've found for myself is Focusing on your on your strength. And what I mean by that is even though I do accounting, during my career, before I started just doing accounting for small businesses, I worked as a consultant and I spent a lot of time working with clients that helping them become audit ready. That became something that I became really good at. And I that was something that I felt I could translate to the cannabis industry in addition to just providing accounting services. So find out what you're good at that you can add value to a particular business. It may start out as accounting, but you may see something else that is needed as you're servicing clients that may be helpful to all of these of these businesses. And that's where you can set yourself apart from everybody else that's that's doing accounting. And then you can also be able to communicate these things to your client as well as to potential clients. So that would be my advice is to hone in on your strengths outside of just providing accounting. What is it that, that you're really, really good at in addition to doing accounting that you could bring to your client and use that as your way to bring value to that client, but also use that for other clients to obtain other clients as well. And what would you say are some of your strengths that you have or that you found and developed to, to, to be who, where you are today? I'm very strategic and I think I'm a strategic thinker. I think like a business owner because when I started my career out, 
out of college, my first job was working and basically working with the owner of the, the company and helping to run the entire organization. So I was hired to do accounting, but I was also hired to help run the company. So I understand what it's like to run an organization. And so being able to put myself in the position of a CEO and how a CEO should see their business as a whole and not just be someone who is only doing the accounting. Because what I've noticed is business owners, when they hire an accountant, they think that you're just there to crunch the numbers. They don't realize or they don't, unless you help them to realize that there are other things that you're good at. So I take a holistic approach to to accounting because I just don't focus on crunching the numbers and printing out a report because anybody can just go in and print out a report. I add value by being able to help the owner of the organization look at his or her business from a holistic standpoint and how accounting affects each area of your business. So those are some of the things that I brought with me from my days as from working in corporate throughout the years into this particular industry and into this particular business, the way I provide services or provide value. So I, I let the business owner know up front, I'm, I'm not just a number cruncher. You know, I, I, I consider myself a strategist. I call myself a can of business strategist because I'm not just here to input information in the system and print out a report because what value am I really bringing if that's all that I'm doing? So that's what I do. So you look at the, the big picture of things mm -hmm. and how your, your service fits into the, your client's company and the things also like, like in terms of like where else they can they can save and, and they can really optimize their business. And so then accounting wise, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. Yep. That's it. Exactly. Well, Angela, thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk with me. Where can the people go to, to listen and just to learn more about who you are as a, as a person and also learn more about cannabis accounting or rather plant touching accounting. My website is thebluntaccountant.com. I'm also, you can follow me on, on Twitter. I am on Twitter as the blunt accountant and on Instagram as the blunt accountant as well. And Angela, I have one more question for you, and that yes. is, 
If you had the ability to send a worldwide text, what would your message be? My message would be to focus or to bring back humanity. I think we're lacking humanity. And mm. that's what my my focus would be, or my, my text would be, was to bring back humanity. Why would that be your text? Because I feel like the world in which we live in, the way people interact with each other, at the end of the day, we're all human. And I feel like, and I don't know what it is that's going on in the world where people are no longer have compassion or humanity for the next person. So my, if I could send out a, a global message, I would say, let's, let's be more, let, let's be more compassionate. Let's, let's have more humanity for the next person. Think about that before you react or, or do anything. Um, because it's, it's, it's no longer there. It's missing. Well, Angela, thank you for that. That's a wonderful text. And thank you for <laughs> this. Thank you so much for this the interview and talking with you, learning a lot about, about plant touching industries and even tax implications of that. So thank you very much for sharing all the information with us. Thank you. And I appreciate you for having me. Absolutely. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Black Gold Podcast, Stories of Black Dreamers and Doers. Please go ahead and subscribe and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to the podcast right now so that it can reach more people. If you want to get in touch with me personally, go ahead and send me an email at blackgoldpod at gmail.com. If you want to talk about the show or if you want to talk about how to create your own podcast where you can find people and talk with them about the topic of your interest. If you want to go further into doing that, make sure to go to www.blackgoldpod.com and go ahead and scroll all the way down to the bottom and get yourself a copy of the Side Gig Podcast Guide. It's a guide that I put together for you to start a quality podcast on a low budget. So go ahead and do those things and I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening.